as we continue to worship our awesome God together, as we seek to end this year off well and enter into 2022 together, what, are the, what is something that we can resolve to be as a group of people, as a church gathered here at Knollwood? What could we gather together to do? So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Acts chapter 17. And as we do that, let me pray. And as a point of prayer, let us continue to pray for uh, all the gospel preaching churches here in London that are gathering very much the same way we are. Uh, Today we're thinking of West London Alliance and Pastor Jude. But also let's continue to pray for uh, Summerside, our sister church, Summerside Community Church just down the street, uh, as they were unable to meet today uh, due to uh, a few COVID cases amongst their staff. So please be praying for them as well as a heal and keep their eyes on Christ during that time. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to, to gather. Uh, if there's anything I've learned over this time is how much of a blessing it is to be able to be with your people to worship. Lord, I am amazed by this time that we can be here to reorient our eyes upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray for Summerside as they have their, uh, weren't able to gather today, but Lord, we pray for their staff and their pastors and their elders as they seek to shepherd their flock. We think of Jude and the elders at West London Alliance, that you give them the wisdom that they need to lead and to shepherd their flock. I pray that you would bless that church as they seek to be faithful to the good news of Jesus Christ, to the gospel, as they preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we gather to worship and continue to worship through the opening and the preaching of your word, Lord, I want to preach so that you are glorified. And I want to speak of you. I want to praise you. I want to praise your name. And God, there is no way I can do this on my own to make this turn out well. So Lord, by your spirit, help me to preach this sermon with the necessary power and appropriate affection. Use this sermon, Lord, to bring glory to your name, joy to your people, and salvation to the lost. And amen. In Acts 17, uh, I'm actually looking forward to Acts in general. After we're done in John, we're going to be going into Acts as a church. But in Acts 17, there's a great example for us that comes through uh, of something I want to encourage all of us, myself and all of us, to be and to do as we enter into 2022. What is something, what is a goal that we can seek to be? And the context of what is happening in John chapter 17 is that Paul and Silas, the Apostle Paul and his traveling mate named Silas, were in Thessalonica, and they went to preach the gospel to Thessalonica, which is a, uh, which is a city in what is now the Greek area, Greece. And as they were preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to that city, some people got up and they got really upset like really upset, like a mob mentality happened. The outcome of that was that they dragged the person where Paul and Silas was staying, the owner of the home, and dragged them to the magistrate, and and they began to accuse him of all sorts of things. And the outcome of that was that Paul and Silas had to leave Thessalonica. And that's where we find ourselves right now in in, in Acts 17, verses uh, 10 to 15. They now find themselves in another town, another town called Berea. And you've heard this before. There's lots of churches called Berean, Berean whatever, Berean Bible Chapel, or Berean Baptist Church, or Berean something. We've taken this name and we've applied it to our churches, and that really that communicates a lot. Hopefully we seek to be that type of people. 
And there's a contrast that is beginning to be created in Acts chapter 17. There's two groups of people. I already mentioned Thessalonica and how they responded to the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. And now we get into the Bereans and how they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. And it's a huge contrast. One creates a mob and somebody does something else completely different. And as a church, I pray that we can be these types of people. That we can be more and more the example that we see here. So this is what I want us to do as we enter into yet another year. Let us resolve to be a people who desire God's word more in 2022. But how? You know, and God uses the Bereans in chapter 17 of Acts as an example for you and for I of how we can be a people who desire God's word more. They received they researched, and they responded to that word. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them. Follow along with me. I'm in chapter 17 of Acts, starting in verse 10, which says this. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They examined the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if, there, if these things were so. And many of them be, they therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, aggregating and stirring up the crowds. And then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul, Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. And this is the word of the Lord. The first step there that we see and how we can resolve to be a people of God, that the example that is set before us is in verse 11. In verse 11, we see step one, receive the word. In verse 11, it says, Now these Jews were no, more noble than those in Thessalonica. This was a term that was usually talking about a, a, a status within society, like a nobleman or a noblewoman, like that type of thing. But here he is talking about how the people here were more upright and honorable than those in Thessalonica. There's two responses to the good news of Jesus Christ happening here. The same message that Paul preached to the Thessalonians is the same one that he preaches to the Bereans, and they respond completely different. I think it's also a reminder for you and for I, as we go and we preach the good news of Jesus Christ, not everyone's going to accept it in a nice way. There's really only two options, really, outcomes of when the gospel is preached. Either you act like the Bereans or you act like the Thessalonians. Now, there may be levels of hostility that are there, but there's always a rejection or a receiving. So the Thessalonians, uh, re they refuse it. But these people in Berea, they were honorable and upright people, and they received the word with all eagerness. All eagerness, it says. Now, this is a very different response than what we see in verses 1 to 9 of chapter 17. It's a reminder for all of us that we are to do, that of something that we are to do when we are, in, when we are confronted with the Word of God. 
coming to your time with God's word with an expectation sorry, about what you are about to hear. This is also very applicable to preaching as well, just as a point. But what type of attitude did they come with? They came with eagerness. What's something that you are eager for? Christmas dinner in about two hours? Or lunch? Being with family? It often amazes me how enthusiastic we can be about some of the things we do. I'm not a sporty person. I'm not a sporty guy, clearly. So watching that, the person get excited about a sporting event doesn't really make sense to me. I enjoy them, but it's not like, again, I go there for the food, usually. But for me, I get excited about new gadgets or something to, you know, play with or something like that. I love gadgets. You can ask my wife. She's rolling, probably rolling her eyes right now. I'm not going to look at her. So why do we get so enthusiastic over these things that we do? How we relive some of the moments of excitement over and over in our minds. How we talk about the good old days or our epic thing that happened to us. Or whatever it may be. And I love hearing those stories too. But what amazes me is how different we can be with how we approach the Word of God. I've thought about this numerous times. I'll have a talk, conversation with a man or some kind, and, and, he, and he's talking about how he, he just loves his sports team, generally a football team of some kind, and they're getting excited and passionate about their sports team. And then in the, in the same conversation, I'll, we'll talk about worship, and they say, yeah, I just can't be passionate about these things. I'm not, that's not in my character to do that. And I look at the individual and say, what are you talking about? I've seen you watch the Super Bowl. You approach that with all sorts of eagerness. It is within your character. Why aren't you the same when you approach the Word of God? But the Bereans come, and they, they, they come with, to the Word of God. They receive the Word of God with all eagerness. You know, the body language, the obvious disengagement, the frequent glances at the watch. You know, I get it. Sermons can be boring. You're supposed to laugh. You know, they can be dull and lifeless, you know, or when it comes to your personal reading time, I know that when you get to the book of Numbers, I know many people who roll their eyes and go, Numbers. But it is the Word of God. And every time I crack that book, every time I open it, I come face to face with the living God because the Word of God is living and active. The Bereans understood that. They came to the Word of God, they received it with eagerness because they understood what the word of God is it is living and active but regardless of that passage if the Bible is being read or preached or listened to it is a living and active word of God Hebrews 4 12 says that for the word of God is living and active it is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the divisions of the soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts so let me ask you are you just as eager to open the word of God as you are for all the other things that are in your life Do you come every day or whenever you do your devotional time with a sense of eager anticipation of being face-to-face with the living God? 
Or are you the type of person that does it as a checklist? I did it, I'm done, I'm good to go. Because it's here that I learn about how our God is a promise-keeping God. It's here we learn about how our sin, how we are sinful and how we need a Savior. It is here that we learn about how God stepped down from His throne and added to Himself humanity. He grew up and He died on the cross, a horrific death, absorbing God's wrath that was meant for me so that when I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, I can have life. It is in here that I learn these things, that I'm reminded of these things. And if I'm not coming with a sense of eagerness and it's just a checklist, I don't know how you can't come to the Word of God without, without a sense of eagerness. If I understand more of who I am and who my God is and what He has done for me. This is where we hear it. The Word of God is living It is when it's read or preached or taught, it's done so as the living word of the living God. The word of God has its own message to sinful men and women like you and I. Which makes me think, let's talk about preaching for a little bit. Ultimately, the Bereans here, they're listening to a sermon being preached, and they respond. Preaching is more than the business of giving information. Did you understand that preaching is a much of a worship, act of worship for you as it is for me? I'm up here, I'm worshiping God. You're down there, you're worshiping God as you listen to it. But preaching is more than just giving information. It does that, of course, but it is much more than that. Preaching, in its best sense, what we usually call expository preaching, is the preaching of a man who knows the Bible to be the living word of the living God, and that man desires only that it should be free to speak its own message to sinful men and women like you and me. There's this great document that urged preachers back in the 1600s to preach in such a way that uh, what emerges from the text is true, that the hearers may discern what God teaches. There's another document talking about the character of an old English Puritan where it talks about this, that a man, such a man, esteemed that preaching best wherein was most of God and least of men, essentially saying that this act of preaching is about who God is, not about the person who's standing at the pulpit. So what does a preacher do? He opens the text. Or in the words of Charles Simeon, bring out the text what is there. But it does not stop there. Ultimately, preaching the word of God is designed to ensure that those who listen are brought to meet with God himself. What is preached from is God's word, the Bible. And what comes out of that is God's truth. And preachers can demand and exhort as though in Paul's language they are as our ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through them, imploring on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Are we the type of person that comes to Sunday mornings or our, our own personal Bible time as people who are eager to hear from God's word? I was reminded about this the other day, and it hit me hard. I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, but it just hit me hard. 
In 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 18, it says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Did you catch that? Do you understand that the Paul, the guy who walked, literally walked from like Jerusalem all the way to Spain, preaching the good word of Jesus Christ, says, not with words of eloquent wisdom. Why? So that the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. If God does anything amongst us as a church, it is not because of the preaching. It's because God is working. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, he continues on. It's not the eloquence of preaching that changes lives, it's the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that does. So, if we're going to do anything, we're going to open the Bible, and we're going to preach it. The Bereans come, and they're eager to hear the word of God. I think for husbands, get into the word with your wives. For parents, get into the word with your kids. The Bereans understood that the word of God is needful and important, and their eagerness came out of that. So how do we become eager to receive God's word? Because it's easy for me to come up here and be like, hey, you should be eager, right? Sometimes I'm not feeling it. Right? At 6 o'clock in the morning, I don't feel like happy about anything. I think it's an ungodly time to wake up. But I didn't do it. You, ha- you need to prepare ourselves for it. The Bereans were not not expecting just because of a visiting preacher had come into town. Their sense of expectancy on this occasion shows a habit, a discipline, that they had trained themselves to approach God's word in a certain way. This is discipline that needs to be worked at. Not just something I wake up in the morning like, yeah, let's get it done. It means even when I don't like it, I work at it. I think about working out and exercising, right? As you're lifting weights, you start small, and you're like, I want to get to this goal. So you just keep at it, and it hurts all the way through. But there's payment that comes out of that. This is a discipline that needs to be worked at. It begins by faithful and earnest prayer for a time before you open God's word. Spend time in prayer before you start reading. Slow down. Maybe pray for the preacher during the whole week. And especially in the hours leading up to the worship service. We should ensure that time is set apart on Saturday evenings and early Sunday mornings to ask for the Lord's blessing on the reading and the exposition of Scripture for our time as individuals as we get into God's Word. And I was reminded of this, this, this saying that said this, the cure for sleepy heads on Sunday morning is to get a, to bed earlier on Saturday nights. Like, what a concept. You know how many times I talk to people, like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. I'm like, well, what time did you go to bed last night? Oh, 12, 1. Honestly? I don't do that during the week. Prepare yourselves. 
And as you're reading God's Word in your personal time and on, your, uh, on Sundays, journal, take notes. Journaling or taking notes helps, can help us remember what we are reading or listening to. So in 2022, may we be a people that receive the Word of God with eagerness. Why? Because it's here we see who our God is. If you expect to grow in your faith and understanding of who God is, how can you not do that if you're not in the Word? This is how God has specifically chosen to reveal himself to you and I. How do I remember of all the promises that God keeps and all the promises that God has made? How do I know that my God is Lord over my circumstances if I'm not reminded that he is Lord over all circumstances within the Word? It's here we learn what he wants from us. It's here that we learn about why he is worthy of all we have. It is here that we learn about who we are in our need of a Savior and how he has provided a Savior for us. It is here we are reminded of the hope we have in Christ and on and on and on. So step one, receive the word of God with eagerness. In step two, you see this example again in verse 11. They examine examining the scriptures daily, they said. They gladly hear what Paul and Silas are hearing. They receive it. But then they take that and they hear, their, they hear the message. They take the message and they, they go and talk to their best friend down the street or, or talk about it on Facebook. No, that's not what they do. They get their Bible, they open it, they examine, they research. We see the Bereans do something worthy of an example for you and for I. There's a reason why we on Sundays read along, we say read along with us, open your Bible with us as we read this. To open your Bibles and follow along. And when we have a teaching being pressed on us to accept, let's compare it to the Word of God. Within the church, our views of things are so often tied to pressure from the outside or, or tradition or emotions or culture or whatever. But the Bible should be the grid by which we put everything through. This is a, a paradigm as to how to hear teaching or preaching or whatever. The Bereans open the word of God. There's a martyr from the 1500s named Thomas, and he said it this way, Blessed Lord, which has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which though has given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray that every time we get into the word. What Luke is telling you and I in this activity of researching the word as a pattern of all Christians, is a pattern for all Christians. And the idea that the Bible is clear is that the idea that the Bible can be understood rightly, and not only by scholars and people who went to seminary and got their PhD in something, but even children can understand it. 
just ordinary, everyday people who read it eagerly and diligently with a conscience depending on God for help. So the Bereans, they searched the Bible for themselves. The Bible was open to everyone to examine. People have died throughout history to ensure that the people of God would have their Bible in their own language. They also, they, they saw that the truths of this Bible can be understood by every Christian. It doesn't mean that every, everything will be understood the first time around. There's a lot of different, difficult passages within the Bible. But one of the greatest, coolest things I hear is I was talking with one of our senior saints who, who listen, they listen to the Bible. And they say, you know, I don't know how many times I've listened through the whole Bible, but every single time I see something new. Because it's living and it's active. And talks about our living God. This means asking lots of questions, listening to faithful preaching, reading good commentaries, listening to podcasts, or any other way. But above all, it means getting into the Word and carefully reading it. The Bereans were preoccupied with what was being said rather than who was saying it. It wasn't what Paul and Silas said that captivated their attention. The Bereans searched the scriptures in order to better understand the gospel rather than sign up for the preachings fan club. You know what one of the coolest things to hear or to even watch is when someone catches a glimpse of the God's glory shining in the face of Jesus Christ as they get into the word themselves. It's great having conversations with people and gathering around the Word and going, man, I, didn't, I don't think I really understood what that truly meant. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to work in their hearts and their minds as they read the Word of God. In 2022, let us resolve to be a people of the Word by diving into it and applying it to our lives. Let us be a people who research the Word. May we be a people of the Word. When that happens, there's only two responses to that. Either you reject like the Thessalonians or like the Bereans, you respond to the Word. And step three is to respond to the Word. In verse 12 we see, and many of them therefore believed. Luke, who's the writer of Acts, talks about how many believed. And you see what the gospel is doing, that the response is, di- is into diving into the word of God with eagerness and intent is that they believed. See, what is the gospel? It is that Christ died for our sins and rose again. The gospel is good news. It is the door by which we start a relationship with God. It is the room which you must live your Christian life, and it is the oxygen on your ongoing spiritual life. In other words, the gospel has a past, present, future implications. It matters to all life. And the Bereans understood that. And they responded. The gospel took root not only among the lowly and the outcasts of society, but also among those who had, uh, who had great things. As a result of studying the Bible, the scriptures, many determined that the gospel message is right. As Paul spoke and he exposited upon a man named Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who died, who grew up and died and, and rose again, 
they took that message and they went back to maybe passages like Isaiah 9 that talked about these things and they compared what Paul was saying to what the word of God was saying and they said what Paul was saying is true. And their only response was to believe. And the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of the hearts of, of the Bereans to understand what Paul and Silas and the biblical foundation of their preaching was. The Bible is the divine means of a spiritual work as well as being the divine revelation of God in Christ. You want changed lives? I want changed lives. You want changed lives? You want to see people come to Christ? You want to see your own growth and your own faith? You want to have a renewed awe and wonder? Then it starts here. It starts here. If you're not opening the Word of God with yourself or with other people, this is what God uses to change people's lives. Open it, come with it with an anticipation that you are coming face to face with God as revealed specifically to us. One of the coolest things I've heard lately is that people are starting up Bible studies with their, with their neighbors. They're opening the Bible with them and just reading John. Because that's what's going to change people's lives. That's what changed the Bereans. The Bereans not only received and researched the Word of God, they also responded to the Word of God. And Luke is careful to draw the connection between what the Bereans did and how they responded in faith. Many of them therefore believed the response was in proportion to and the results of their careful research in which both their mind and their heart was engaged. Listening to a sermon or reading the Bible on your own or listening to a podcast or whatever should result in a desire to put what we learn into practice. For the Bereans, it was belief. The outcome of getting into the Bible is applying it to our daily lives. When we open God's word or when we gather together to hear it preached, we are told of what promises we are to lay hold of in our troubled times, what sins we are to avoid when we are tempted, and what attributes of God should elicit praise from our hearts, what virtues we ought to cultivate, what goals we should pursue, and what good works we should engage in. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 17, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you what? Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul continues on in the next verse. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's why Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Whatever scripture teaches must be obeyed. And what all of this tells us is the way in which the Bereans saw the Bible, the scriptures, as the sole ground of authority in matters of faith and practice. Books are great. I have bookshelves full of books. They're great. Pastors 
have this weird thing with books. I don't know why. It's like, ooh, book. And we all, and then the, here's the question. Don't ask me this, but here's the question you ask a pastor. How many of those books have you actually read from cover to cover? <laughs> That's the question you need to ask. But, but don't ask me. Um, <laughs> books are great. They're great in encouraging us in our faith and, our, and growing and teaching specific issues. Uh, and we have a whole resource library over there that talk about what church membership or what eldership is or what deacons are or uh, any of those types of things. Is the Bible true? How can I know that I trust them? But all of those books do one thing. They point to the Bible. And they're great, but they're not needed. The Word of God is needed. And the Bereans, they, they, they listened to the message that Paul and Silas were doing. They researched it, and they answered one question. And this is a question that I ask people all the time, is what does the Bible say? If you're going to come and you're going to be upset about something that's happening, my question will generally be, what does the Bible say? I was having a th- theological debate with someone in, in, uh, not too long ago. Uh, we were in a specific passage in John together as a group, and they were upset about something, and I just asked, well, what does the Bible say? Literally, what did we just read? Either it is authoritative or it's not, and the Bereans came and they said, what does the Bible say? What does the Scripture say? And applied it to their lives. And there is no disputing it. Jesus Christ viewed the Bible as authoritative as well. So should we. An example of this is in Matthew 19.5 when Jesus quotes something that Moses stated in Genesis 20 as, God, as God's word. This is what we learn about who he is. And the outcome of these people receiving and responding to the gospel was that it was, procl- it was proclaimed. Not a f- sorry, the outcome of what happened was that, of that proclamation was that no, not a fewer Greek woman of high standing as well as men. On a side note, the gospel doesn't just get to the lowly of society, it's for everyone. I want you to think about that statement about how uh, the rich Greek women and men were, were people that believed. And think about what Jesus says in Matthew 19. In 23 to 24, Jesus said to the disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich, rich person enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. See, the difficulty for the rich is in seeing past their money and possessions to their need of a God. But you see what the power of the gospel does to these people. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. It's impossible to be done on their own, but it's not difficult and not impossible for the divine word of the gospel. So what do we do with all this? Let us resolve to be a people who grow in our desire to know the word of God more. The Bereans understood the sufficiency of Scripture is every bit as important today as it was then. And although we are historically far from the apostles, we have their divine, inspired, apostolic message in the Bible, which is no less powerful or authentic than what the apostle himself was preaching 
to the church in Berea. People's lives are still being changed. God is still calling people to himself. The church is still growing. In comparison to the Bereans or to anyone else in the first century, how much better off are we who have the entire canon of Scripture? The key is to trust the sufficiency and the authority of the Bible, grounded in the power of the Spirit. The Bible is the Word of God, and we should be like the Bereans. And even what Luther says as he declares, unless I am convinced from Scripture, I cannot recant my teaching. We need to be, we need to follow the example that we see of the Bereans. We need to turn to the Bible and we need to examine it. And when we think about it, we need to add it to our own lives and apply it. In our culture, there's not really any excuse not to get into the Bible. We have it on our phones, right? Like I can pop open my whole commentary library on my phone. The whole thing, right? I have like, I don't know, how many Bible translations are there? Like a hundred, I got them all. I can open up the Greek or the Hebrew and I can look at it, I can study it. I know not everybody has that, but I know that you can download a free app. There's no reason why we as a church cannot be people of the word. And someone's gonna say to me, I just don't have a lot of time to get into it every day. I'm like, you know, I have this thing on my phone called screen time the cursed phone, it tells me how many times I even picked up my phone. And it tells me how much time I've spent on social media or email or games. You know what's a humbling thing when you look at that? And how much time I waste just staring at a screen when I could be into the word myself learning more about who my God is and what he has done for me through his son, Jesus Christ. To develop a biblical worldview, I was reading this this morning, to develop a biblical worldview, we need to saturate our minds in scripture. This requires repeatedly reading and engaging with the Bible throughout our lifetime. The earlier we begin reading the Bible, the more time we have for God's word to seep into our marrow of our souls. And that's why helping our children to develop the habit of Bible reading is one of the greatest gifts that we can give them. My parents used to ask me every day, did you do your devotions? They didn't force me to. But I'm glad that they instilled that in me. You know, how about you and I? How can we this year walk together through the Bible And there's many reading plans. Personally, I use a reading plan called the Machini Reading Plan. But there's apps like the Dwell Bible app, which is a great little app. There's the, it's called the Bible app, which you can download. And they're all free. And they have reading plans. And they send you these wonderful, annoying notifications every day. (laughs) Did you read? Did you read? Tim Challies has one that he releases every year. Find one. Find someone to walk with you through that. Come together and ask each other a question. 
What did you learn about who God is as you read that passage today? That's it. What does this passage tell us to do or to be as a people of God? Meet and discuss together. Join a community group. Join a discipleship group. Acts 17.11 Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What should we seek to be in 2022? A people of the word of God. Because that's going to change things. People who are eager to learn more of who God is and apply it to our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us resolve to be a people who grow in our desire to know the Word of God. It's the only way that will keep our paths straight and our eyes on the Lord who is Lord over all things, no matter what happens in 2022. And if 2022 is anything like 2021, we're in for another roller coaster, folks. How about we get into the Word together and remind each other of who He is, the one who's sovereign over it all. Can we together seek to be this, to be eager to be in the Word privately as we worship together, as we meet in community groups or discipleship groups? May we be the type of people that are so eager to receive and research and respond to what God has told us through His Word. Let us resolve to be a people who grow in our desire to know the word of God. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for how precious it is. And even as I stand up here talking, I can't help but think about brothers and sisters throughout the word who are just struggling to get a page of it. And how eager they are to just even get that one page. But Lord, we have Bibles upon Bibles Convict us of our need to be in your word so that we may grow in our faith and our understanding of who you are. As we see how you have been faithful throughout history, how you will continue to be faithful even into the future. Lord, I just thank you for this time. And may we continue to praise you. Amen.